Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Mark Quanstrom. And I am Tara Beth Leach, and it is so hard to believe that we are coming to the end of the mm-hmm. year. Uh, we have, we've been going since January. Uh, yeah. How many episodes? Oh, we should have counted before we We should got... have counted. We well, didn't how, well, count. Every but week. we are really fortunate 50. because we are bringing the man behind the screen onto the podcast today, our producer, the one and only. He's been a pastor, a church planter, fellow seminarian. He was a... TA for Scott McKnight, and now he is a just podcast story brand extraordinaire, Chaz Robbins. Chaz, welcome to the show on the the other side of the screen, on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, it's good to be on the other side, you know. I guess it's, I feel familiar to the show, but now it's getting the chance to be behind the mic. So let's see where we go. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. This was kind of a last minute decision for us, <laughs> which is often the case for the pastor's table. Um, sometimes we practice the um, discipline of impulsivity and yeah. we do things like let's put on Instagram live while we're recording yeah, I and didn't let's, know that was happening. let's bring Chaz on the other side of the microphone. Um, and so, yes, as I mentioned, Chaz has been our producer. Um, he He is a story brand I, I call it extraordinary, but what's what's it technically, Chaz? What's your yeah guide? I think is my story brand guide. Yeah, yeah, is approach to what I do from a messaging standpoint. Of course, you know, Hope Story Media is my business that yep. I that I run to help local businesses with sales funnels and marketing needs that they may have. But um, podcasting be really how I got started in it all. So yep. it's been a joy to be a part of this from the start. Oh man, it's been awesome. I mean, eight, we started this journey 18 months ago, all the three yeah, of we us. Did. It's been 18 months. It's been right. 18 months where we were, you know, you came to me with the idea we want to talk <laughs> about theological integrity, yeah. brought Chaz in, and we said, we both agreed with that we would not do this without Chaz. Chaz believed in what we were doing from mm-hmm. the beginning, in part mm-hmm. because of his experience mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the church in church planning mm-hmm. and some of the pain that he and his wife suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he identified quickly with what the project was yep. and um, has been invaluable in providing Invaluable. Uh, guidance yep. for what we should talk about, how we should talk about it, helping keeping us on track. Mm-hmm. So he's editing out our crazy oh, boy, shenanigans. But yeah, so he's so it's not simply uh, his technical expertise that we appreciate. It's it's his participation in the theological conversation. That's right. Off screen. That's right. So uh, we've been wanting to get Chaz to tell this story for a long time, and he's not going to do that today. Yep. But we did kind of ambush him today <laughs> yes. by inviting him to be a part of these last two podcasts of the first year yep. of The Pastor's Table. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah so so Chaz, do you know how many episodes have we recorded so far? When, Walk us a- through where we've been. After these two, we'll, be, we'll hit 53. 53 so, episodes. Yeah, yep. So um, every week we've been, we started the beginning of the year this year and we have just been consistent. And we have been consistent. um, Every week we've dropped an episode and, you know, the 
going was... and starting with incarnation, I think, was the right place. Um, yeah. And for this, I you know, it's funny talking about dreaming it up and originating it. Yep. And and like thinking about just having a resource for for pastors to be heard, right? Um, where I know one of the things Mark you shared about in your experience leading a church is is feeling like you were leading with with Saul's armor on, and right. yeah. and it, it didn't That's fit. Right. And right. there's so much. I mean, you got if you've been leading in ministry for about two days, you've experienced something right. of that being handed a script that you didn't it wasn't mm-hmm. the reason why you got into it or where you mm-hmm. felt called and wasn't true and integrated and so having that mindset and approach to say hey this is a problem that right. so many pastors are facing um right. yeah i think it made a lot of sense to start with incarnation and have so many great conversations mm-hmm. of of actually like pastors who are day in and day out right. trying to figure out figure that out and and make it work in their context right so right then we moved to soteriology yeah. and had uh, incredible conversations with folk about the nature of salvation mm-hmm. and how that impacts the ministry, mm-hmm. how that impacts how we do church, mm-hmm. how that impacts uh, who we are as persons. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had, how many guests did we have? Do we know that? So we had 53 shows, one, two, three, four, five. 16 guests, 17 guests throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't think of one that just wasn't uh, both challenging, mm-hmm. um, uh, drew from me empathy, mm-hmm. and, and also inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Well, and edifying. Yeah, uh, that's a better edifying, word. Edifying, convicting, compelling. You know, one of the things that we were talking about at the start of the show is, you know, so many of the stories that we listened to, they were raw, they were honest, they were real. And we we said, well, we said we like the theoretical ideas, but we don't want to live it. You know, in some of the stories that we heard, we've also endured even this year while recording these podcasts. We've been navigating and traversing um, difficult pastoral situations. Yeah. So the 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 burden that launched the podcast was um, to help pastors be faithful to their call. Right. And help pastors remain true to their, to the theological convictions, right. to the theolog- theological vision. And um, having been a pastor for 36 years, uh, I've been subject to pressures to not be right. true to either myself, as Chas said a minute ago, mm-hmm. or not true to my theological tradition. Right. Um, there's no reward for, how can I say this? I gotta say this better. There's reward for success driven by a vanity metric. Uh, metric. Uh, there's not as much reward for faithfulness right. or fidelity. Right. Um, and so the podcast was started to help other pastors stay true. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know that I would be the one needing the podcast as much as mm. anybody. Right. That's, so that's what... So when we were talking off camera, I said, I, I, I'd much rather do a podcast that is not existentially real, but only theoretical. Right. And listen to other pastor stories. Right. And empathize and mm-hmm. be edified. But I'd rather not have to live it myself. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I don't know, can you say crap on a podcast? You can say crap. <laughs> My mother's going to reprimand me for saying Does your mom that. listen? Oh, periodically. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> your mom is legend. Both of your parents are legend. <laughs> so, uh, but so I've had, I've, I've listened, I've re-listened to the podcast mm-hmm. because what our guests have said mm-hmm. and what you have said has helped me mm-hmm. stay. Well, I didn't need the help staying. Well, duh, yeah, I do. Still, yeah, after we 36 do. years. Yep. And so, like listening to Rob Prince or listening to uh, Michael Birchfield, uh, Rob Prince, who pastors with migraines, uh, listening to Michael Birchfield, who uh, and, and took a church from 400 to 170 the first six months mm-hmm. of his pastorate and mm-hmm. is still at that church 36 years yeah. later. Yeah. We've heard a few stories like that. Wow. Of, of folks that. <clears throat> And stayed when all the signs um, in the worldly metrics where you're failing and you should go, right? Oh, I I can't. I'm still subject to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm still subject to that. Right. That maybe I don't have what it takes Mm -hmm. to lead this church now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I still, I'm still, I still second guess that in Mm -hmm. my, in me. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, when, when do I not do that? Mm -hmm. Evidently, I never. I look at our numbers every week. Yeah, well, do you look at your attendance to. numbers? Yes. Do you look at your giving numbers of every week? Of course I do. Yeah. I have a big staff. Yeah, I have to pay I know. them. I know, I know. I I was um, last week. We had an incredible giving week, and when I got the report from our director of finance, I sat in my office and I cried and I cried and I cried because it was one of those moments where I felt like, okay, this is manna. Like God oh, is taking, it was a good Sunday. Uh, I cried tears of joy. I was so happy the ways that God was taking care of us. And I thought, here we go. Like flourishing is on the way. <laughs> and then I get um, the report from my d- director of finance uh, this week, yesterday. And it was probably one of our worst Sundays ever. This last Sunday? Yeah. Well, it was Thanksgiving weekend Sunday. Everybody's it's the time gone. of generosity and yeah. gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently our congregation so sh- missed that memo. <laughs> yeah. Giving Tuesday was two days away. Right. Why aren't they giving this weekend? Uh, the met- so, so we talk about the vanity metrics, and that was yeah. Chaz's term. Yeah. Chaz yes, came up with yes, that, he did. vanity metric. That was you. And, and we, were, we have done nothing but rebut it all year, mm-hmm. and I can't escape it. I still why, can't why escape is that? it. Oh, yeah, gee whiz. We probably need a, a therapist to help us. Yeah. Uh, why is that? Because our identity is too tied up with uh, performance yeah. still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grace is still hard to believe. Yeah. And uh, because that's the measure of institutional leaders and our people still. Right. So, right. I mean, I had somebody talk to me today, uh, just yesterday, about another local church that was just killing it. And what they meant by that was they were growing in all areas, and mm-hmm. that's where the that's where the adventure was, that's where the excitement was. Um, and I don't know, I had no idea what they meant. I mean, I know the church. I didn't re- really understand that they were quote unquote killing it. They're yeah. doing good work. Yeah, I'm not resentful of their work they're doing, but but the but the point is they they looked at this other church and first and used some metric. And the implication was, how come we're not? Mm-hmm. Well, we are. We are in so many ways, but mm-hmm. just not that way. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so you asked the question, why are we still subject to it? Why don't yep. you answer it? Well, you know, it, it's hard when we hear it all the time and we're surrounded by it, and that's what everyone wants to talk about. And so the church that I pastor, we happen to be in a season of excitement and flourishing. And so I will hear it from our people. Um, I oh, will sure. I will hear it from our people. Pastor, we're, you know, things are just great. Like people are coming and they're yeah. staying and they're not leaving. And every time I hear that, I, I, I always think, okay, well, when's that shoe going to drop when that stops? Yeah. Um, when is when will things go wrong? Um, you know, I'm afraid it it's it scares me, right? Because because when people begin to focus on that, yeah. then we are driven to bow down to that altar of uh, success yeah. and that vanity metric um when that's what we talk about. So then when things aren't growing and when things aren't growing going well, well then we're failing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it scares me. And I remember years ago, a pastor saying to me that there will always be the church in town that has the buzz effect that everyone mm -hmm. is going to. And it's only a matter of time before the next church has that buzz effect. Well, we've witnessed it in, in uh, the community I live in. Yeah, there's a church mayor go around there. Oh, there is. I've I've decided that uh, I pastor one of um, one campus of a multi-site church. In Bourbon A. <laughs> All the churches is just waiting, one big multi-site. Because uh, yes. it, it helps me understand better. Okay, so they're preferring the rock and roll yeah. service yep. that is provided yeah. at another church. Yep. Yeah. That pastor then, wears uh, jeans with holes in it. Yeah. Skinny yeah. jeans. Yeah. So the skinny jeans. So so it helps so I think the churches in Bourbon A is basically one or basically one large church that's a multi-site. Yeah. And people just I would say especially around. true for you. Well, yeah, it's a smallish community mm -hmm. and we have some large really large and they're good churches. Mm -hmm. They have different mm -hmm. philosophies of ministry. Mm -hmm. Same and denomination though, which makes it same even more challenging. There are four large Nazarene churches in a town of I don't know how big Bourbon is, 40,000, 30,000. Yeah. yeah. And so and they're good churches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um they're not the same church for right. sure. I mean, no one's doing what college church is doing. Right. And, and I don't know. None of the th none of us are doing what Gathering Point's doing, right? So, but uh, but anyway, this we... is but this is why theology matters, you know, mm -hmm. because when we just be left to our own devices and those vanity metrics, that's where our identity gets all out of whack on right. the front end. Coming into ministry and understanding, you know, the pastoral call and and responsibility that's available to those of us who have had the chance to get to do that, but also on the ecclesiology side, you know, mm -hmm. we'll get into that and in next in our in our coming seasons. But like from my standpoint, being in a place where vocationally, not necessarily a pastor, but the people in my lives who are uh that that I just get the chance to rub shoulders with and yep. be in community with, um, there is a, a level of care and friendship that I just can't help but but find myself uh, leaning into to them with and 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 so for my identity like I have found it it'd be very challenging honestly mm -hmm. in in a lot of this to be able to say okay well what does what does my call <laughs> look mm -hmm. like in the midst mm -hmm. of of all of this and I remember um, I think it was Sean Palmer in his episode talked about about five years after going through something really hard 
and um, in that time of, of healing and restoring and hearing other mm. people who have gone through hard times and that opportunity and process being mm-hmm. salvific, mm-hmm. that theology tracks and, mm-hmm. uh, and that message that the gospel tracks and being able to pay attention to it, whether we are in a season of success and abundance or whether things are challenging, if you stay rooted to to that truth, I think that that's what roots us in the kingdom and that's yeah. what we all want. You yeah. Know? Well, so Michael Birchfield, uh, uh, two, it'll be two weeks ago now when he said we did things that were intentionally counter to church growth mm-hmm. for the sake of the integrity of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could do that. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, I, I launched this, but we launched this podcast is there a, on theological is, integrity, and he voices, yeah, action. He take he took action, definitive action, specific action that he knew was going to counter the growth of his church mm-hmm. for the sake of the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying here today, I didn't know that was an option. Are we allowed to? Um, is there a line in our board reports or synod reports or uh, district reports where we can say that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I intentionally did. Yeah. We, we did this knowing it would cost us. Like, can that attendance. be a metric? <laughs> yeah, oh, a gold star metric. <laughs> um, theological integrity for the yes. sake of theological right. integrity. Right. No, right. that is not a metric. It ought to be. No, it's, because but, it's hard to measure. You can't. I mean, well, you can. I mean, in his instance was he said we we were losing the community of yeah. our church by having three services, so we went to two mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah, and he said he thought the people in the very very early service would just switch to another service, and they went to another church that had the same time of a service. Right. So he yeah. lost a third of his congregation yeah. by going to two services. Yeah. Well, you don't do that. No. No, you don't do that. You you don't do that for the sake of the integrity of the local church. Meaning you don't like you not nobody gives no us one permission gets permission to, to do that to yeah. do the right thing. Right? Who who else in, who else has ever done that? Anyway, I mean, other people do. We obviously do, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're faithful to our call and we're faithful to the tradition. And we do know that for that reason, some people won't ever come, right? So mm-hmm. we do it generally. But to do a programmatic, make a programmatic decision, knowing that it will make the church better while losing members, that's yeah. tough. So I wonder, you know, Chaz, for you, you've been on a, a journey of 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 calling Right. And understanding yeah. your call. And I'm wondering, how has this podcast for you being on the other side mm. of the microphone, how has it nourished or edified or strengthened your imagination? Yeah, I I think just in the regard that um, the the process of salvation, just that I, I keep coming back mm-hmm. to. To that part in our last two, it was more on the like digging into personal stories of, mm-hmm. of people who have have walked through those things. Mm-hmm. And for the first part of you know those conversations, as we were like laying the foundation for the call of salvific, mm-hmm. was really challenging because for me, it was just like, well, what does that mean now? <laughs> like, it's vocationally not not right. not, not not a reality. And I think when mm. um, we played the. Um, seminary now episodes, Mark of yours, in in talking mm-hmm. about actually the the call in pastoring is through the cross, 
And and it is in that process of that pain and that sacrifice of Jesus that we understand the salvation of the world mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and can also our own you know salvation right. yep. in in that willingness to to experience and walk through um obviously not like our own cross that we're called to bear and um and having the fact that that means I have to walk through my own sin in my own life that that um that is is caused such pain and and it is my willingness that i mean anybody no matter your role has to do that same thing and so um i think being able to under like understand that now and and say yeah you know even though the the call to vocational ministry is is not even where i feel god calling and leading me right now just because I'm running a business doesn't mean that I am not honoring the call that right. that God has in my life and That's the journey right. that that he has and the grace that he wants to both extend to me and extend through me. Yeah. And and that's and that's grace <laughs> and that's goodness and that's mm-hmm. and that's my unique opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. really grateful to get to experience right now. Okay, so even though you're not in vocational ministry and you once were, and the conversation about vocational ministry being salvific, that mm-hmm. was a bit challenging because you had to ask the question, well, how is the Lord saving me now mm-hmm. if I'm not in ministry, right? That was kind of yeah. the existential yeah. challenge you had. Yeah. And what you just said was, uh, he's still saving me and it's still a martyrdom even though I'm not in vocational ministry. Yeah. Is that fair? I, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so that... So I remember after one, after a couple of those episodes, uh, you were kind of verklempt because we were talking about the pastoral call as necessarily salvific, and you're going, "Okay, what about me? I'm not in the pastor anymore." And yeah. I was, and and you're still open to it, I think. Or what? Yeah, well, and I think I, absolutely. And, yeah, and Chaz is, you are stewarding your gifts, still. Mm-hmm. Like you are stewarding your gifts and growing your gifts. And um, as you said, the grace of God is empowering your gifts for the good of God's kingdom. Yeah. And that's that's what matters, you know, for anyone. Like even if, if someone listening is not in pastoral ministry mm-hmm. or traditional vocational ministry, our, we're all called. We're all sent ones. Mm-hmm. Well, it occurs to me that a lot of our people are walking the way of the cross, mm-hmm. and if they never see their pastor walk the way of the cross, mm-hmm. then they will wonder: um, is, is is what am I? How do I want to finish that sentence? Then they can wonder: uh, first of all, does the pastor identify with what I'm doing? but they can probably call into question the necessity of the way of the cross for them mm-hmm. and not understand it as salvific in their life if they never see us having to undergo a martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that experience, make sense? Yeah. It, you know, experience sacrifice. <laughs> experience. Uh, I mean, and it gets back to incarnation too. Like, 
Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> the savior of the world worked with his hands and right. Paul made tents. And, right. and there is, and, and I mean, this is not me saying there's not a place for paid full-time paid vocational ministry right. as well, but I also theologically have my own conviction that I am on my own journey of being faithful to that this yeah isn't any less than, it's not any more than, it's just right. my call. <laughs> and, Man. and I got to be okay with that. Otherwise, I'm going to start looking at vanity metrics and everything's going to get out of whack yeah. real quick. Wow. Wow. That's powerful, Chaz. I, and I think that gives a lot of our, because I, I talk to people that listen to our podcast that have unique journeys, um, that it's not pulpit um, or boardrooms or... Um, you know, within a congregation leading. Uh, but I think what you said is key, that we're all on our own journey of discerning our call and that we've got to be okay with that. And it goes back to just that old um, thing called comparison. Oh, I, you know? you, that's one of the things you said that I, I listened to again and didn't forget. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, I mean, said. right. Remember Peter and John? Walking on yeah. the shores with Jesus, and Jesus keeps repeating um, to Peter, Peter, feed my lambs, Peter, feed my lambs. And then he tells Peter the kind of death that he would die, and Peter turns to John and says, well, what about him? <laughs> and how many times do we as pastors or ministry leaders or you know whatever role we're in feel like, well, God, this isn't fair. Why do they have it so easy? Why aren't they going to experience a martyrdom or the pain or the difficulty that I've experienced? And and Jesus turns Peter's eyes back to him and says, don't you worry about the kind of death that he will die. Well, so I, I mentioned that I'd prefer this to be theoretical and not existential. I'd, yeah. And I prefer to not have to need to listen to the podcast right. that we're hosting. Right. Right. <laughs> and not have to listen to Marshall Hatch again right. and listen to... Uh, Rob Prince again or something, but I listened to them again and they're keeping me in for mm. Pete's sake. I, th yeah. I thought I was doing this for others. Mm -hmm. Well, and so that's part of the, uh, that's part of my understanding of the call that the Lord has called me to save me for sure. Not that he doesn't call others to other vocations to save them, which is what you're saying, Chaz, mm. right? Um, but um, this, this, Listening to these pastors tell their stories of faithfulness mm -hmm. is helping me be faithful. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was not what I was expecting. But most recently, the last couple of weeks, the Lord has been saying to me what you just said, Terabath. Uh, quit looking around. I've called you to this church wow. to lead as only you can. Wow. And it has to be sufficient. Mm -hmm. Has to be. And so I have, but so maybe we need to talk about the the temptations to pastors in, in uh, next year. Yeah, that, that are constant, and I mean just just constant. Well, and I think you know we look to the temptations of Jesus, and I think that they're the same for the pastor. They they're, are. they're shortcuts, right? Yeah, like yeah. we don't want. You know, Chaz talked about the theology of the cross, which great Lutheran theology there, Chaz. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> it's in my blood. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, Chaz mm -hmm. talked about, you know, the call 
uh, to carry the cross, but also the grace that flows from the cross, well, vanity metrics tells us to look for the shortcuts uh, to that without carrying our cross, without faithfulness. So one of the things I tell folk when I'm, uh, uh, so when I preach, I, I, you know, the word, Lord, the Lord works me over every time I write a sermon first, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So that's part of the salvation, right? Because yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want to be hypocritical. And so a lot of times I'm confessing what I'm preaching about prior to me mm-hmm. ever getting the pulpit. And, mm-hmm. the, and my people know that, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things I say is the reason that I became a preacher was so that I wouldn't have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And so when people throw back at me what I have preached, that's when I say, I said, no, no, no. I'm the one who says it. I don't have to hear it. <laughs> How's that go for you? <laughs> well, so I'd prefer that following Jesus would not be a way of the cross. Yeah. I'd Amen. prefer it to be the American success story. We want glory. We want a theology of glory. We don't mm. want a theology of the cross. We don't want a theology of the cross. And the slightest discomfort, <sighs> I'm going, no, wait a minute. That's really, this is really what it's going to cost. Um, so, yeah, so that's when I say I'd prefer all this conversation to be just theoretical and not real. Mm-hmm. Um, but But I don't know that pastors... I want to speak personally. I prefer that the way not be the cross. Mm-hmm. And I have talked about it and preached about it and even did a course on the martyrdom of pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when it gets real, when all of a sudden I have a s- scar, I'm thinking, or a, a wound, I'm going, oh, wait a minute. Well, what about John? Well, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I have easy. to keep listening to this. Mm-hmm. So, so when Marshall Hatch says it's not my church, but it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It I'm is gonna due. have to pry it from my <laughs> white knuckly hands. <laughs> uh, it's not my church, and I don't even have a right to be mad at my people. Says Marshall Hatch. What a saint! I'm going. Yeah. Oh, I have so much. I have yeah. So when he said that, I was mulling over an email that I got from a congregant that I was mad you about. You don't have a yeah. right to be mad at him, Terabeth. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Which I think is, you know, it's the opportunity, you know, it's the crossroads is. Uh, oh, fine. Well, what is, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, fine, what it's is the opportunity. <laughs> I'm an opportunist. Uh, opportunist. <laughs> did you just say opportunist? <laughs> I think I did. Dog got it. It's live. What That's are we going to do now? Term. That's a theological term. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> opportunist. Uh, okay, this is why a... I, <laughs> this is why I produce it and uh, <laughs> talk it. Okay, Tell her about but... your opportunities. <laughs> okay. Well, so I'm going to put my producer hat. We're just we need to wrap up the the conversation. Okay. Um, but there's a funny ministry story when we were in Chicago. Uh, speaking of like getting to hear, somebody came to my wife Chelsea and said, "You just must be so lucky. You oh. you just you get to listen to Chaz." talk all of the time and she's got a calling of her own (laughs) and and she's like yeah that's exactly how it is all of the time (laughs) Uh, Uh, so that's an opportunity let's go back to that the opportunity there you go so so marshall hatch says you don't have a right to be people to be mad at your people when tara beth gets has received a nasty email Mm -hmm. and you're going to say that's an opportunity for what well, yeah. To, so, where is that anger coming from, and like, what is uh, what is placed in that, and what is misplaced, and in, in what God 
might do in his salvific work <laughs> in At those moments. Moment. Yeah, if we're talking, if, if well, theologically, we, it's like, the dying of the ego. We get to exactly it's the death of the ego. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the uh, pastor Greg Winholt, who was the senior pastor of Good Shepherd Church for many years, and now is is part of the the pastoral staff as a support staff. We call it a, a re- redeemed succession. But I love something he says. He says, ego is edging God out. Mm. And what we want is to mm. exalt God only. And I think what you're getting at, like what's underneath that anger, well, it's wounded egos. It's the wounded little, yeah. it's the wounded children, right? It's, whew. and I think that's hard for pastors um, because, man, like a bruised and hurting ego is hard. So. Yeah, and there's, there's, yeah, and so what, we think that reputation is at stake. Mm-hmm. We think that credibility is at stake. We think identity is at stake. Mm-hmm. We think who, I mean, our worth is at stake mm-hmm. by virtue of not having the same success as others, perhaps. Okay, so one of the reasons that I'm doing, uh, we do, we're doing, and boy, I could not do it without Tara Beth. This is, anyway. One of the reasons that we are doing this is because I uh, was asked to step down as dean in the School of Theology at Olivet. Well, that's that was pretty painful. Yeah. Pretty painful, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought that I could, and I did, I had permission to pray prayers for justification because mm-hmm. that was, uh, oh, I don't know, an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you define it. Um and I would pray, Lord, would you justify me? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you just some? I would also pray, Lord, how are you going to redeem this? Mm-hmm. Which he obviously, which he has. But I would pray, Lord, would you justify me? And he said, I already have. Mm. I already have. Stop. Praying. But not that way, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, I already have. And the truth is, I I think I have. I don't want to overspeak, but I think I probably have more credibility as a pastor because I was dismissed at all of it than I did not having been dismissed. Mm. Um, And so what's, so what's the, what's the goal? The goal is not edging God out. The goal is exalting God only, only, which I had to do. And I, I didn't, I didn't stop praying, would you justify me because the Lord said I already have the first time, I kept praying it, and every time the Lord said, "I already have, mm-hmm. I already have, quit, quit worrying, quit working it, let it go, I already have, I'm your justification." Amen. That's so great. that's where the theological, uh, the theological conviction that God is our justification helps us stay. Mm-hmm. God's our justification, not our church, mm-hmm. not our success. Uh, not our effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God is our justification. Mm-hmm. God is our justification, and God is the one that saves us. God is the one that calls us. God is the one that names us. God is the one that gifts us the grace to sustain us. God is the one that empowers us, and we have to remain steadfast in that truth and grounded in that reality if we're ever going to make it for the long haul. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap this up, eh? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, friends, thanks so much for listening to the the pastor's table. It's been an incredible year. And we 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 pray that God blesses you, that God sustains you, and that you remain steadfast in knowing who you are, who God calls you, who God says you are, and that God is the one that justifies you. God is the one that saves you so that you may make it for the long haul. So until next time. <laughs>